Disruptive CEO Nation is the place where young entrepreneurs and company founders tell it like it is when it comes to their journey, vision, technology, culture, and whatever they feel like. Your host, Allison K. Summers, believes how you choose to play the world is completely up to you, and her guests prove it. Now let's get disruptive. Hello, this is Allison K. Summers. It is fantastic today that we get to speak with an entrepreneur who has already had extreme success in their journey. Um, he's an accomplished author, expert on innovation and marketing, and his organization drives game-changing innovation for the buildings, material, and industrial coatings industry. And he's going to tell us just how cool and exciting that is. So Tats, welcome to the program and introduce yourself to everybody. Yeah, thank you, Allison. Uh, my name is Tatsuya Nakagawa. Uh, I'm the uh, co-founder of Castagra Products, like Allison mentioned. Uh, we focus on building uh, building materials and coatings. And uh, we really sort of, um, you know, r really focus on things that ca can really make a difference. I mean, you know, we I've been involved in over 100 uh, product launches for, for various uh, products and, and services. And you know, I've gotten over the years. I've gotten really picky on what what I want to push forward into the world. There's enough stuff out there that's me too, and and doesn't serve a, a huge amount of value. So we really want to focus on things that makes uh, you know the world better and and people's lives better. And that's that's a real a big focus of our organization. And you would say when you say that, uh, looking at at some of your things, that it's also I want to say. I don't know if that's the right word, Tat, socially conscious products, um, like the materials that you're using and the way you're making them. Is that correct? Absolutely. I think, you know, the new gold standard is, you know, first you have to have a, a product or innovation that, you know, is very good. I mean, it, it has to solve a problem. It has to solve a problem uh, cost effectively. And I think the new standard is and it has to be great for the the world. Um, it has to be sustainable. So uh, the good thing is there's a lot more technologies that fit that description. In the past, um, you know, sustainable sort of innovation or product had the bad rap that, you know, the only way they could get people to switch is, you know, there's government subsidized programs or, you know, guilting, you know, businesses to try to um, take them on. But, you know, these days there's a lot of solutions that are just plain better. So, you know, they're making a great business decision and also making a, a good decision for the, uh, the world. So I think, um, you know, if, if you didn't know already, I think that's that's the one thing that's going on. And um, I urge people to sort of um, discover that because it's, it's very powerful when you can we can win on both sides. And give us a contrast example. Go back to share just a few minutes with our listeners about your startup journey, where where you started and, and got into this space. Wow. Okay. Um, well, I mean, we 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 were involved in lots of uh, product launches, but about nine years ago, um, you know, we we just uh, you know had a a venture that uh, you know it didn't go the way we wanted it to go. Uh, obviously. Uh, um, you know, it, it was a situation where we didn't have a sort of a controlling interest in the deal and we, we saw great success, but we just, we just couldn't move past the fact that the, the sort of the inventor and founder, um, wanted it to do it a different way and was willing to sort of take the business down, uh, with it to do that. So we wrote a, we got very frustrated after, 
uh, you know, this experience, we wrote a book. We wrote a book on innovation that uh, we're lucky enough to get uh, the co-founder of Apple to give us a nice uh, um, glowing testimonial. But um, and we were after we finished the book, we were kind of thinking, what what can we do? And uh, Peter is uh, my sort of co-founder. Um, he's a type of person that um, innovation and invention um, come really easily to him. He, he can just dream something up and, and, and create a prototype. And what he did about a bunch of years earlier was he invented sort of a building material product and he built it up and he sold it to some very large companies. But um, what this uh, innovation had is another use, which was it had a use in the field and applied codings uh, market. So we decided, you know, maybe we can start a company around this technology that you kind of, you know, was very successful in a different area and apply it to the coding market. So that's kind of how Castagra started. And did you start off, did you bootstrap the company when you first started off? Did you go out and, and, and look for investors or did you say, no, this is our baby. We own it. Um, we, we usually just go in ourselves, but I think for this project, we said, you know what, um, we're going to, we're going to invite other people to the table. And, and we did. And um, so we have uh, investors involved now. One of the early things we did, and lucky things we did, was there was a, a competition um, held by uh, Dragons Den. Um, in the States, it would be the equivalent to Shark Tank. And it would, uh, you know, and at the time, uh, the names that you may recognize, uh, Robert Herchevich and uh, Kevin O'Leary, uh, were part of it. And they held a competition nationwide for Canada. And they were trying to find the best sustainable innovation in Canada at the time. And they were offering a $100,000 free prize, no equity involved. And uh, we, we, uh, we, we uh, sort of submitted our application in. And out of 4,000 companies, we, we came in first. So that, that really propelled our company forward. Um, you, know, we're, you know, we're very passionate. We really enjoy the process of getting awareness. And we're fairly good at it. But, I mean, it really helped out because, I mean, that show aired about six or seven times and with millions of people watching each time. And we got thousands of emails from small businesses to very large businesses. And it's really, it really helped us out get a foothold in, in different markets. So that really started us off on the right track. So tell us a little bit about what your culture is of your company, if, if you had to define it to somebody, because obviously you are very passionate co-founders. You've, you've been working at this for a while. And it's, as you said, you, you got to invite to the table other investors. Um, can you tell us a little bit about your culture and, and what it's like to be a team member if, if we worked with you? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we, our, our culture is we, we try a lot of stuff. We try a lot of ideas. And um, we're always trying to figure out how we can improve what we're doing or ideas that come out of, you know, customer uh, insights or for otherwise. So we always have, um, you know, weekly meetings on you know new innovations and we're always trying to test things and we try to test things as cost effectively as possible right we 
you know, we won't make the mistake of uh, going out there and developing something just because we think it's a good idea. We're always sort of gauging, testing with other people. Um, the book that we read, wrote, um, we, we feature Thomas Edison in there. And what we found with Thomas Edison is that if he has, you know, over a thousand patents, and if you go back and you look at each patent and, you know, if they were successful or not or related to a commercial success, what you would find is about 99% of the patents that he was involved in um, were, were money makers. That is unbelievable. I mean, your average um, corporate success rate, uh, even in this t these times where you get so much information from the internet, people's interactions, behaviors, is about 25%. I mean, with the best companies in the world being about 50% right. And here Ed Edison was, you know, over 100 years ago, you know, with an almost perfect streak is unbelievable. But he was so, so big on getting feedback and understanding um, what the market wanted. But that was his key. Do you find, if, if I was a new entrepreneur and I, and I, how important is it to make sure that I get my trademarks and that I get my patents? And can you comment a little bit about what you would advise um, people who are coming out with new products? Yeah, I mean, certainly. I mean, trademarks are okay. Uh, patents are important for certain types of applications, but you just got to be careful on when you start to do that, right? Because I see all the time where people would process too early. Now, there are, you know, disclosure periods you have to be careful of, making sure you're, you don't trigger anything that would not allow it to be patented uh, in the future, but you really have to um, understand the customer need um, very, very well. Um, people may say very positive things about it, your insiders, but you really need to get sort of that insight and advice. And the best way I found that you could get that kind of insight is you learn how to become, you learn from direct response marketers. Now, ah, okay. why do I say direct response? Because direct response is the cruelest form of marketing <laughs> on the face of the planet, okay? Because if you were, if you know, I, I was talking to you and I was selling something to you, we could have a back and forth dialogue, right? And, and you know, you would be able to feel out what the prospect was looking for and, and ultimately um, sell them something, potentially, right? But here's with direct response, what you have to do. You have to put you know, on paper, you know, everything, you know, you need to anticipate what's important to them, all their objections, and, you know, dispel all the myths and fears and get them to, to take action. It is. And if they don't, it's, it's a hundred percent clear that it wasn't working because you don't, you don't get a phone call, you don't get an email. So, you know, the amount of research that a direct response, um, a writer or, or a professional does is unbelievable because you know they that it's so cutthroat so if you can learn a little bit about you know that um you know it would go a long way towards telling yourself if you're on the right track or not or or even understanding how much research it takes to figure out if if you're onto something 
Now, how do, you know, another way to quantify this, this is a great test that I heard from a, a professional. He, he uses something called a 3 a.m. test. So, at, you know, if I, you know, I have an idea, okay? So I go to my prospect, you know, imagine going to your prospect at 3 a.m., you know, and then waking them up at 3 a.m. and say, <laughs> look, I have a great idea. And you tell them your idea. Now, two things are going to happen. They're going to jump out of bed and they're going to be super excited about your idea or they're going to go back to sleep, right? So how compelling is what you're going to tell them to, to the prospect, right? So if it's not compelling, maybe you love it, right? You fell in love with it. You think it's fantastic. But if you can't get someone to, to jump out of bed at 3 a.m., then you might not, it might not be as great as you think it is. I, really great advice. Um, how compelling is it at the 3 a.m. test? Um, you know what? I want to jump back. Can you give us the name of your book again? Because yeah. I don't think you actually said it, but you've referenced it. Oh, yes. Overcoming Inventoritis. <laughs> Fantastic. Don't fall in love with your product. Right. <laughs> um, okay. So you've had this, this great career that most entrepreneurs would, would really envy. And it's, it sounds phenomenal, but I know that there were points that probably you felt like you tripped up or that this didn't go as planned. And, and sometimes we talk with our guests and we call them, you know, about, you know, what are the, the naked truths of <laughs> some places that you wish Absolutely. you could do over. So is, is there anything that you could share with our listeners that like, oh, here, don't step in this or this happened to me? Yeah, absolutely. I think um, there's two things. You know, there's, there's one thing I definitely wish I knew uh, before I started. And this is something I, I tried to avoid, but, you know, I think I, I shouldn't have as much as I, I, I did. So um, I think I needed to really learn how to embrace haters early on. You know, and now why, why am I saying that? Because the thing is, it's surprisingly, uh, haters will help you grow your business. It, you know, the question is, why, why would haters help you grow your business? Because they're actually very passionate and they start talking to your business about other uh, your, your business to other people. And usually the, the fact that you're attracting haters is usually you're standing up for something. You're successful you're displacing the status quo. So, you know, the byproduct of that usually is the fact that you get haters and you get all, you also get passionate supporters. So when, when you're out there, you're trying to do a, a good thing with your product and trying to make an impact, but you re look around and you realize you don't have any haters. You're probably not making the impact you think you think you're making. You're probably not being bold enough with your, your statements. You know, maybe you're holding back, right? Maybe you're not going in, and, and pushing your point, you know, with organizations enough, right? Um, you know, it's a good litmus test to see if, if you're doing a good job. Now, you know, one of the things I wish I could take back, um, absolutely. Um, there was in 19, 2014, you know, the, as we know, the oil prices uh, dropped sharply. Now, at the time, we were selling our sustainable coatings to the largest oil and gas companies in the world. And it represented about 80 to 90% of our business. Now, we knew we had a problem slightly earlier and we started to diversify about two years earlier into water and wastewater. 
Um, but it wasn't aggressive enough. We weren't diversifying aggressive enough. You know, people will say, you know, focus, focus in an area and stuff like that. But it's almost always also important to to have a plan B because business never goes the way you really want it to go. You kind of have to adapt along the way. So um, it almost wiped us out. It didn't. Uh, we were able to get through it. But, you know, overnight, you know, we lost almost all our sales. And it was really, really scary because companies that we thought they never go broke or never sort of default on stuff were, you know, were dropping around us. So um, I wish I w- we did diversified a lot more aggressively. Um, and we learned our lesson. Uh, these days, we are, you know, our, our customers are in different industries. Um, and we've covered that. But at the time, I wish we were, we didn't have to go through all that pain. I, I think that that's really a good story, and I, I appreciate you sharing it. Um, we hear that, or, or companies that, you know, entrepreneurs who have one product or one service, and they think they're going to really, you know, make it make it go, and it only takes one thing to, to shake you up. And, and yeah, who would have thought the oil industry was doing what it was doing, and, um, and who would have thought that you know, 10 years ago, when you see the charts of what are the biggest and most powerful corporations in the world, um, oil industries aren't at the top anymore. It's, it's all of our favorites um, <laughs> in the technology space. So um, we're getting close to our time, but I want to ask you, how do you think technology, upcoming technology, future of work, um, you know, are, are going to change your, your business for the next couple of years? Do you see any technology on the horizon that's going to make a major impact for you? Um, you know, not in terms of uh, directly with our business as much, but I mean, I, I continue, I, I, I believe there's going to be a continued movement towards more sustainable options. Um, I think there's, you know, the customers will demand it more. And I think it'll hold the businesses more accountable to the type of technologies they're adopting and the type of materials they're using, um, especially in the building industry. Right? Roofing is an area we're very passionate about right now. They still use quite a bit of harmful uh, material that goes on the roof. And I mean, water runs on it and it, it runs off. So, you know, it, there is an impact into, you know, what uh, what happens with that so i would say you know definitely there would be there's going to be a push around that i mean you see electric vehicles autonomous uh, vehicles ai i you know of course that's going to have an impact um you know if if you're an entrepreneur and in, in general there's probably some very good opportunities around that and and i'm sure we're going to find ways to you know integrate that in what what we're doing um you have to stay ahead, right? I mean, even if you're you're viewed as an expert, you have to keep asking questions. I mean, I heard someone say this, uh, you know, d- you know, don't. You know, when you're an expert, you want to feel like an expert, but you have to also, he said, commit image suicide by doing being an absolute <laughs> beginner <laughs> and and asking tons of questions because that's the reason you got there right you ask questions you tried stuff you made mistakes you learned right so you you can't feel like you know everything right and you have to keep pushing yourself to kind of learning new things and and learning things that are that you may not think is completely relevant 
Um, I, I, there's a, there's a sort of a soundbite that I picked up from a long time ago that kind of stays, still stays with me. Um, one of the old NBA uh, com- commissioners' uh, name was uh, David Stern, and he would do is he would go to the magazine rack of you know a, a bookstore. And he would start reading random magazines just for the sake of learning different things like women's magazines, photography, wildlife. He would just go pick anything, right? Just to, just to sort of, you know, keep his mind open and create in you know, a creativity going. Cause you know, most things that involve innovation breakthroughs, it's, it's usually something that someone has thought of and has, is applying in a slightly different manner. Right. So yeah, you know, if you're just reading your industry publications, you just don't learn anything, right? But if you read something completely unrelated, it might sort of jog a sort of idea that might be applied somewhere over here. And the more content you have, right, if you're a writer or you're an innovation professional, you have more to draw from, right? So more chances you're going to trip on a great idea that could really impact um, your business or the industry. I think wonderful, wonderful insight. And, um, and I agree. I mean, those ideas, they, they tend to flow in the strangest of places. Um, and so I can, <laughs> I can picture what you're saying because I, I travel through airports quite frequently, um, you know, going up and saying, no, t- pick up something different. I mean, um, the thing when, when I speak and, and coach people that I'm passionate about is saying, look, when you walk in a room to network or when you go to like those dinners that yes. we where that's the table round of eight or 10 people pick the person who looks the least like you to walk up and strike up a conversation <laughs> or to sit next to you at absolutely the table. and just learn right right just learn there's always so much you can even if you think you know the answer you know how you're sitting there and you you know you think you know the answer or something just ask the question right you have the sales just ask the question you you know every once in a while you're going to get surprised that maybe it's something you've, you didn't think of, or maybe it's something new, or even something you knew, but you're not applying very well these days. Yeah, really good. If we were to, I'm gonna, we're gonna wrap up because you've been such a great yeah. guest. Um, what are you really excited about in your business that's coming up in, in the next couple of years if, if we were to catch back up with you that you would say, we did it, we accomplished it. What's anything you can share with us that's not, uh, you know, super secret patent wise? Wow. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, ultimately, you know, what our technology is doing, you know, for, for the world is it's, it's sort of um, minimizing the the harmful waste that's going into the environment, you know, and solving the problems. The more that we can spread our word, you know, and we will do it through partnerships and the better things will get. So, you know, if we see, you know, for instance, one of our, you know, arch nemesis in terms of, you know, coatings is epoxies, right? They're very toxic. If we could reduce the amount of epoxies in the world by half somehow right by displacing with our technology or or anyone else's you know it would be fantastic i mean that is you know there's no need for it you know there's old technology is necessary if there's no new technologies that don't don't solve all the all the problems and have a track record but if that's available there's no reason why why you know uh, the new option is 
is, uh, you know, not adopted. You know, I'm a huge fan or a huge believer that the best ideas must win. So I refuse, like even if someone paid me $10 million to promote second rate idea, you know, that's not great for the world. I won't take it. It's, I'm not interested. I just want the first rate idea to win. So, you know, that's, that's, that's what I'm ultimately uh, striving for. Tats, I, I think you've done it. I think you've helped make the industrial coatings industry sexy and cool, and you certainly <laughs> educated us on a lot of different things. If our listeners want to find out more about your company or want to connect with you, how can they do it? Sure. Um, you can go to our website, uh, Castagra, um, or you can, I guess, you, you provide, do you provide links in your uh, show yep. notes? Or? We will provide some, some links. Um, can you, how that about would this? probably be the... <laughs> then, then say I, I will your provide name some and I'll write it down. <laughs> yeah, that would probably be better. I will send that to you and then you can, you can uh, leave it for your listeners. Okay. Well, thank you so much. And, and thank you to our audience for, for checking out this episode of Disruptive CEO Nation. If you liked it, if Tat said something that resonated with you, um, share it, comment, forward it along. And um, until then, uh, be blessed, have a great day, and keep your eye on the future. Thank you, Tats. This show has been produced by Market Domination, LLC. To discover how you can have your own show completely done for you and turn it into a real published book and become the authority in your marketplace, go to www.marketdominationllc.com slash podcast offer. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>